The following is a sermon from Pastor Timothy Borman and Sure Foundation, a church located in Woodside, Queens, New York, the world's most diverse community. For more information and for more audio content, go to sure-foundation.org. Blessed are they. Blessed are they who have fallen asleep in the name of Jesus. On this Saints Triumphant Sunday, This morning, our lesson from Ecclesiastes comes from Ecclesiastes chapter 12. Here's what the teacher gives to us. Remember your Creator in the days of your youth, before the days of trouble come, and the years approach when you will say, I find no pleasure in them. Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars grow dark and the clouds return after the rain, when the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men stoop, when the grinders cease because they are few and those looking through the windows grow dim, when the doors to the street are closed and the sound of grinding fades, When people rise up at the sound of birds, but all their songs grow faint. When people are afraid of heights and of danger in the streets, when the almond tree blossoms and the grasshopper drags itself along and desire no longer is stirred, then people go to their eternal home and mourners go about the streets. Remember him before the silver cord is severed and the golden bowl is broken, before the pitcher is shattered at the spring and the wheel broken at the well and the dust returns to the ground it came from and the spirit returns to God who gave it. Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Everything is meaningless. This is the word of the Lord. Right here, Solomon's poetry reaches a devastating peak. Would you take a breath of this world in which he's living for just a moment? This this dying, dimming, and dead world. You see it? Seen? Scene number one, the lights are going out. The sun and the moon and the stars, they are dimming. Even when the rain clouds come and the showers come, you would expect the the sun to come out and cheerfully shine, but it does not. The clouds remain. Another scene. A great house that was once busy and noisy with life and economic activity, with guards and with women grinding grain, now is silent. A dying and decaying house, another scene. An almond tree, white, and a grasshopper. It used to be that this grasshopper could 
could like jump a hundred times its height, but now, now its own weight is a terrible, terrible burden. It drags itself along the ground and can barely move. It's too cold. Somebody tries to pop a berry into their mouth. It's an aphrodisiac, the ancient version of Viagra. Nothing happens. It would be funny if it wasn't so humbling. Another scene. A bowl, a golden bowl hanging by a silver thread in the presence of God. An unseen and unknown force comes and chops the cord in two. It's severed. The golden bowl, as if in slow motion, falls to the ground, shatters in a thousand pieces, and we're left to stare at it. This is, this is Solomon's dead, dying world that has, in fact, devastating beauty. It's really a story, if you will, of one person's life. Maybe a man, a nameless and unknown man. In the days of his youth, these are the good days. He has energy and strength, but as he enters the days of trouble, everything dims, the lights go out, his mental faculties, his human senses. He cannot hear so that he shouts out when his grandparents say to him, what'd you say? And it's health problem after health problem after health problem. When the rain stops, just more clouds. Nothing ever really gets better, not anymore. His body, which is symbolized by the house, is the guards are now trembling, which was his legs. He can barely drag himself along. And the grinders, his teeth, there's hardly any left. And there's no ancient version of dentures, see? So that his mouth smacks and there's spaces in there. Can't even chew his food. He tries Viagra, but no good. Nothing's stirring. And then, just as suddenly as his life began, the silver cord is cut and the golden bowl falls to the ground. Dust returns to dust. And the spirit returns to God who gave it. A nameless, a nameless old man dies. If you will, Solomon is really showing you your future. It's as if he puts you into a time machine. And he says, let me show you what it will be like for you. Look at, look at what he says. This is verse 1. The years approach when you will say, you. And now instead of a nameless old man, we have someone who's been named. It's you. And this is, this is Solomon's version of Back to the Future. Or this is Charles Dickens' A Christmas Tale. But this time, it's you. It's the spirit of Christmas future. And you remember how that went? 
the sphere of Christmas future takes Ebenezer Scrooge around and he sees his body and there's no mourners there. He sees a couple who's actually kind of ecstatic because they no longer have to pay back Scrooge, the debt that they owe. He sees a funeral taker, an undertaker, discussing how they're going to just use a cheap casket. But Scrooge doesn't realize not yet that this is his future. This is your future. Solomon's showing it to you. And this is the best case scenario. It really is. This is if you, you escape from cancer and any horrible natural accident that can happen out in the world. This is your best case future. It's a future where your kids sit you down and they say, Mom, that's the last time. I know all you did was back up in a grocery store parking lot, but you, you hit that car. It pains me to say it, Mom, but you've got to give me the keys. That's what we say. It's you. It's, it's, it's you in the future where your kids, you know, they walk into a funeral home, excuse me, a nursing home, and you can, that pungent smell is there, and you're thinking, what am I doing here? All of these old people with vacant stares, and then you realize that you fit right in. He's showing you your future. Your future where you look at, you know, there's like four stairs in a row and you're like, that's like Mount Everest to me. I don't, I, I don't even know if I can make it up. And you look down and, and all you think is terror at looking down. How can I do it? I might fall. And you know what happens when old people fall? That's it. They may never walk again. And there's no turning back the clock. I mean, this, this is what Solomon is doing. He's whisking us into our best case scenario for a future. Where old age sets in, then suddenly an unseen force comes and cuts the silver cord. And then there we are in a thousand pieces. Nobody can recognize us anymore. Devastating poetry that opens up to us a right understanding of our mortal estate. It's kind of depressing. <laughs> I suppose if you knew that we'd have such a reflection or meditation with Solomon this morning, you'd be like, no, I don't think I want to go to church this morning. Why, Solomon? Why, when we near the end of the book, why this... This incredible and devastatingly beautiful re reflection on our own future. Why? And Solomon tells us why. He says, so that you remember. He says it right at the beginning. He says, remember. Which is kind of a strange thing to do, and it seems like kind of a small thing to do when the, our, our, our bodies are wasting away. He says, remember, he, he says, in order to deal with your future, think about the past. Remember. But you have to understand that this isn't any kind of normal memory. It's not like recall of facts or, or calling to the mind, this mental flotsam. It's not like we're playing Jeopardy here and we're just thinking about facts and details and everything else that really go nowhere. This is 
memory that theologians have called that is soul-making. So it's not the normal kind of memory that we human beings practice. And in fact, if we were honest, usually we remember the wrong things. Isn't that true? We remember our sins. And it produces guilt. We remember how things went wrong instead of how things went right. We, we, we remember the, 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 the people and the situations that were done against us. And we experience victimhood. But he's not talking about building memorials to those things. It's a different kind of memory. It's a memory that moves us in the present. It's a memory that can impact even the very fact that our bodies are decaying. So he says this, remember your Creator. Remember your Creator. So remember God, your God, who when everything began said, let there be light, and there was light. And He, instead of dimming the lights, turned them on. Remember your Creator. Remember... Remember your creator, so not some absent creator, but your creator, the one who knit you together in your mother's womb and made you uniquely beautiful, who cared about you that much. Remember your creator. Remember your creator, the one who took what was empty and formless and really dead and created spiritual life in your heart and brought you to faith in our dear Lord Jesus. Remember your creator. Remember that in baptism, He pushed faith in your hearts and through the Word of God, He made something new so that every day you would yearn for His forgiveness and know that in Jesus Christ, you have it fully and free. Remember your Creator. This is a remembrance. You see what I'm trying to do? I'm trying to get spiritual momentum so that God's great saving and creating acts in the past also inform your future. They also inform your future. They shape your identity. So think about this way. Solomon, in in a devastating and beautiful way, he's pushing into you the fact that outwardly you're dying, but what's happening inwardly? Day by day by day, you are being renewed and recreated into the image of the sun so that your hope grows more and more and more. You see it. Remember your creator. Even as outwardly, even as outwardly, you're passing away. And in this way, this is true. You've never been more alive. And in Jesus' name, you will live forever. Such remembrance really leaves us with three spiritual claims and truths on our lives. The first one would be this. Don't forget that you're alive right now. Don't ever forget that. 
And don't give in to the American lie that the golden years lie ahead. Solomon doesn't call them that by any means when you get older. He doesn't. What does he call them? He calls them the days of trouble. Which means this, that while we're young, receive the gifts that God has given and set aside the pains and anxieties of youth. The Talmud puts it this way. Everyone must give an account before God of all good things one saw in life and did not enjoy. So don't run ahead into your years of trouble and leave behind your years of youth. Don't do that. That's truth number one. Truth number two is this. Please, please, please remember how dependent you are. When you are young, when you are full of youthful energy and vigor, you can begin to believe a lie that you can exist apart from God and that you don't even have to think about God. But what happens in old age? We return to our infancy. Somebody else puts food in your mouth. Somebody else pushes you around. You become a child again. And you realize this is part of God's plan. You realize just how dependent you are on God. And it turns out, it turns out that you always were. Always remember your Creator. And thirdly, this that God remembers you. See, there's an interesting story uh, about a thief on a cross, and I think you know it. That Jesus is hanging on the cross, paying for, for our sins and the sins of the whole world. There's a thief at his left and right. One of them prays and says, Jesus, remember me. And I suppose if, if we have a cheap and ugly version of what remembering would mean, it means that Jesus... It's just supposed to recall him in his memory and do nothing else. But we now know that remembrance is so much more, isn't it? Remembrance is something that moves and it changes behavior. So Jesus did remember him. And he said, today you will be with me in paradise. You see, the Christian church is a remembering church. Because first and foremost, our God is one who always remembers those he died for, those he elected, and those he brought into the Christian faith. Which means that he remembers, and this impacts their eternity, doesn't it? Those who have died in his name. Blessed be his name. One day he'll remember you too. Amen.